We may never go back to the office. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Somebody this weekend asked me what the T was for. I said it's for talker <laughs> or, for, or for talkative. Thank you. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, my good friend, John Nash, and uh, we're here, as always, every Wednesday with the Focus Group and our video cast and also our Saturday audio version of the show. If you go to focusgroupradio.com, you can pick up the uh, the audio version of the show. If you don't want to, or if you don't watch our stream, because most of you now do time shift, so you can find all of our media housed at focusgroupradio.com, as well as our sponsors are there as well. So click on our sponsors and support them, because we appreciate them bringing us to you each week, right, Mr. Nash? And you'll also find our podcast there, which is TFG Unbuttoned. And uh, so there you have it, Mr. Nash. You're looking very, uh, very relaxed. Are you? Are you relaxed? Uh, I could use more sleep, but you know, before we get into all that, we have a newly minted, um, political entity on the show. Mr. Bennett won his commissioner's race. And I think as a reward, we should probably order you that, uh, famous movie called the candidate. Next stop is the white house, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, it's a stepping stone, John. It's a stepping stone. Um, you know, I'm on uh, different i'm on our co-op board here in the building in our city and that's not nothing like what you're doing with being a commissioner but they do share one thing in common they are um, unpaid positions and you usually are berated by people with problems <laughs> now that has not started yet right but no it started oh okay i, um, I was it wondering started, it started before i was elected i i, I was remi- i was reminded uh even the night before the election i started getting emails if you win <laughs> you know, it started and uh, and I was laughing because uh, if you win, yeah, okay. if you win, I hope you remember that, you know, or, you know, <laughs> I need my, you know, my the front of my store has not been power washed since, <laughs> you know, is that the I, town's I problem? Well, yeah, you know, they wow. want to be power washed, okay. you know, they want okay. the sidewalk washed, you know, all all politics is local. So our good. For, so I did win. Thank you. And how did you find out? Oh, it was I, I? I kept checking on Facebook, and someone posted the results. I think they shared. They put you in the. You know how they do at Tim Bennett, whatever. They shared the results, right. but they showed the number of votes. That the there's three of you that won. There was there were four of us that ran. ran two but three people, two yeah. people won, and it was a bit of a runaway train for me once it was announced. So the there were absentee ballots, and there were and you could vote for two people, and there were two positions open, two commissioners positions open. And I was the long shot. I was the unknown person. I had no record. And there was an incumbent that was very well liked um, and, uh, and universally liked within the, within the city. And uh, another former commissioner that ran and another um, younger woman and myself. And um, so I, I had no idea how I was going to do. Well, they started counting the absentee ballots around 2.30. And so five, at 5 o'clock, I, I had an inkling because... I got a kind of a whisper down the lane by one of the officials that, hey, kid, you're ahead by 100 in the absentee ballots, which mm. shocked everybody. 
And so a lot of these, you know, the, 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 the uh, what do they call them? The key makers or whatever the, the, yeah. the people in, the people in town said that hundred is going to be tough to make up with the walk-ins. How many walk-ins do we have? And everybody's doing the numbers. And so, um, so in the actual people who came in to vote that day, I was third. I was off by 30 votes. It's, it's not a huge town. It's, you know, 1200 people voted. So, but, um, but nobody could make up that deficit. I had so many absentees. And uh, although I was upset, so I lost, I came in second by one vote. I got 621 votes. The winner got 622. Was that the incumbent and, that everybody liked? No, it was a, it was a former commissioner, uh, a woman that, uh, a common sense woman from Texas. And, uh, and I found out two of our friends, um, both people you know, I won't mention their names because I don't want to embarrass them, did not vote because uh, one did not get down here on time and the other one did not turn in his absentee ballot. And had they done that, I would have won by one vote, which would have been a real shock. The fact that this newcomer came out of nowhere and I would have won by one vote. So I would have liked to have said I won. I did win. You did But win. I, I, I came yeah. in second by one vote. But so there it is. So anyway, I am surprised. I'm still a little overwhelmed. But the other thing, and that's why I asked how you knew, is because I still have not, you know, here we are um, three or four days from it. I still, I'm getting yelled at. My voicemail is still full. I've been inundated with um, email and voicemail and text. I still have 30, I'm looking at, the, I have 32 text messages, things to go through still. Half, half these people, I don't know. I don't know the phone numbers. So I'm trying to backfill and see who people are that are contacting me in my contacts list and I'm trying to answer the emails and it's, um, I've, I've been a bit, uh, bit more overwhelmed than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And Richard, on the other hand, thinks this is going to be now the land of milk and honey. Oh, and no. I said, no, <laughs> you yeah. know that that's not what happens. You know. If anything, you either cannot eat out in town or you have to spread the wealth amongst everybody and make sure you pay for everything. There's no free ride. No, no. So. And, um, you know, in my case, I can't get, the laundry done without somebody asking about something in the building or, or like, um, month, get the laundry done. A while ago, I was put in charge or I took over something called the door project in our building. It's this, we're redoing the whole entryway. It's terrazzo repair, new doors, external cleaning. And it was kind of, it's kind of a bear of a project, meaning there's a lot of moving parts to it. And, and I eventually did a video along with a, like a PowerPoint thing. It was you and I, I can do far better video and presentations than I did for this. But it ended up being eight minutes. I walked people from the front of the building into the lobby, everything that was going to go on and the estimated timeline, even though we know that uh, things don't go that way in construction all the time. It was posted. I started getting email. Oh, wow, wow, wow. You, so you, you actually, t what, did you use your phone or did you use the camera? Oh, no, no. I, said, I, I sat, what I'm doing right now, like I sat up and I, I said, hello, this is John Nash. I'm a board member here at 360 wow. and, and I want to talk to you about something called the Door Project. I'm going to call it the Entryway Refurbishment and a rebranding. Email came in. Oh, my God, this is so great. Thank you for this. This is so clear. And then I, people would see me in the lobby. Oh, you're the guy on the video. You're the door guy. So, yeah. And if anything goes and, and then you get the opposite, which is like, you know, this woman comes up to me and she goes, you know, they're tearing, they're peeling off the wallpaper that was selected to be in here. <laughs> and I said, yes, but that was 30 years ago. What's wrong with 30 years? <laughs> Why'd you change the color? Why'd Did you, you change the color of the door? Whose idea was that? I didn't get a message. I didn't get to ask the question. What were there? Was there a vote? Got a lot of color things because whoever did the painting in the lobby, it's an art deco building, technically. 
And uh, they did a little bit of a futzy <laughs> color thing. And the architect's like, do you mind if I just simplify the palette to like a couple, three shades of white? Uh-oh. Yeah. So I come in one day and this woman's like, you know, what happened to all the uh, decorative color? And that better be put that better be put back. <laughs> it's like, no, it's this is the way it is. Well, there's a committee that decided that. And I said that was 30 years ago. You know, you have to go through the whole thing. So, um, and you better not change the, you better not change these sconce lights. I love these sconce lights. They're my favorite part of the whole building. They look like, and then when another woman heard that, the other woman leaves, the other woman says to me, she goes, those sconce lights look, the ones we have now look like they came from Dracula's castle for God's sakes, get rid of them. You can't win. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll see, you're going to, you're going to love all the hours you put into your (laughs) volunteer position, (laughs) volunteer position, which costs you many hours of your life and a lot of time to win. But the candidate would be a good gift for you because I think it's a stepping stone to higher office. Well, it was, you know, I'm, I'm probably too old, but you know, I, I, uh, I you know what, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to do this, and I, I, uh, so it, um, you know, hopefully, as I said, I promise to do a good job, and if I can, I'll move us, I'll move aside and let somebody else do it after my term's up, and uh, so if if I can't be of use, then I'll move on. But uh, so we'll I'm, see. I'm hopefully, sure, I'm sure it's going to go fine, and after the rush of the election. And after people recognize you, it's going to settle down to the normal business of doing town work. You know, let's hope. Let's hope. There's a lot of big things in the plate here. You know, as there are with lots of uh, of shore communities. It, it was certainly not as bad as what's going on in our, unfortunately, in our country with this Afghanistan mess. Have, have you ever? Would you have? You know, you know I, before you even say another word, here's what I think. I read a bunch of articles about this, and I don't care when this withdrawal happened. If it was five years ago, if it was ten years ago. I think most people knew this was going to be what was happening. You know, right. the as Blinken, the Secretary of State, said, the they were taken aback by the speed with which the Taliban took the country over again. Uh, were you surprised? They were waiting. They were just waiting. They were waiting for Uncle Sam to finally say, "This is not our place to be here." What I don't understand, and 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 Biden actually had mentioned this when he talked on Monday, is that you know their army was as big as. Some almost as big as most of the NATO armies. You mean you the, know, three, the Afghanistan army, strong. right? Yeah. And how come they hadn't killed all these Taliban fighters? I would have leveled that place. How come Did, we never leveled Afghanistan? You, you saw some videos, though, of the of the Afghan army members, in some cases, walking out, surrendering, laying down their arms. They know these people. My guess is, I don't know. I just feel terrible. Can't ter- help people who don't want to help themselves. And I feel terrible, terrible for uh, what's going to happen with women's rights there. Uh, you know, a lot was achieved in, in, in a 20-year period, and it's going to be a real setback. And, you know, um, I read an article about a judge who can't wait to be reinstated. Um, he's practicing Sharia law. And the example he, there was an example of a, a case he ruled in where someone broke into someone's house and stole a bracelet. They caught the thief, and part of the law was that the thief was going to have his hand chopped off. Now, in my worldview, a bracelet and a hand have very different value. <laughs> I don't see right. how they're equivalent. But then he said to the guy, well, since he broke in, you want if you want his leg cut off, too, we can do that. Because that's yeah. part of the justice system. The guy said, no, no, just the hand. I mean... There you go. Yeah, right? It's 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 what uh, you know. It's what Don Rumsfeld said. You know, you're gonna bring him into the Stone Age, and uh, you bring them in to the Stone Age, and or and then somebody just recently over the weekend had mentioned that uh, you know they'll be moved back to the ninth century. It's a uh, it's tragic. It's, and, unless you're uh, a cosmopolitan um, or lived in one of the cities and you were you know looking at a life that was different before this. 
But I don't know, whoever was sitting in the White House when they t made the ultimate decision, it doesn't matter which president we had, it was going to go this way. And I think that a lot of intelligence people probably told them and advised them that. And it's just, you know, we have to get through this for a while. But right. yeah. yeah. So we've got uh, so on the show today, of course, uh, John and I did our, our opening banter. And then we've got uh, Caught My Eye. We have our uh, business birthday and then some shop talk. Uh, after we do our break. But uh, for right now, Mr. Nash, what, uh, what caught your eye this week? What caught your <laughs> eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Mine is totally, totally, totally space, NASA. You know, we had Jeff Bezos do the Blue Origin launch. We had uh, Richard Branson finally get up there in the Virgin Galactic. We've had some successful SpaceX Dragon capsule launches to the space station. And NASA keeps talking about going to the moon. And in fact, um, they keep talking about returning to the moon in 2024. Mm. Now, if you look at a calendar, I can tell you what right now. What are we going to do there? Uh, you know, dirt was dirt, Tim. See? You sent a dirt. probe to Mars, found out dirt was dirt. Dirt all over the solar system. Good to um, know. I don't think we're going to get there in 2024 because if you look at a calendar, it's actually, you can actually look at number of months until this happens and and all the pieces aren't there yet including the fact that the spacesuits the astronauts would wear when they were landing on the moon are are nowhere near ready um so a spacesuit uh for the moon has to do a couple things the nasa views it as a miniature spacecraft that encloses the astronauts so it has to keep you safe keep you uh you know fed you have to be able to move your hands and fingers to get work done you have to be able to move your legs you have to be mobile it has to have some form of radiation shielding because you're in the direct sunlight. There's no atmosphere protecting you from radiation. And the big one is it has to in protect you from a temperature range that goes from minus 260 degrees Fahrenheit all the way up to 280 degrees plus Fahrenheit. So that's like the dark side of the moon, the light side of the moon. So after spending $420 million since 2008, NASA still will not have the suits ready for this promised 2024 landing. They, so in, in general, um, the price tag for, you know, the subcontractors or anything for these two, the couple of spacesuits is going to top out at over a billion dollars eventually. And they're still not ready. So now there's talk of maybe we'll get Elon Musk involved because after all, he got SpaceX off the ground. Maybe we'll get Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos's company. No matter how you look at it, you know, all the pieces of this supposed going back to the moon, they're just not there. It's costing a fortune. You know, in terms of the 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 cost to to, you know, humanity, I think someone recently calculated along the lines of like a dollar twenty-five a year per person in the United States or something. Not so bad. It's just that I don't know why these agencies make these promises that we're gonna get somewhere by a certain date and these little pieces kind of essential. <laughs> Pieces just aren't ready yet, right? Do we really think that suit should cost a billion dollars? When all is said and done, no. I mean, but apparently uh, this is the deal. And I wonder what the article did not do, and I wish it did do, and I would like to look up this information is, what did the uh, Apollo suits cost? You know, so when America was tossing money at the Cold War and getting our astronauts to the moon before Russia spared no expense, right? So I wonder what those original suits they landed in. Couldn't they go back to that kind of design, maybe change the helmet or something, and just reuse that thought process? Well, considering when you and I went down there, they said that the what the, the technology, you have more technology in your, your, phone. your smartphone your smartphone now, so you know it wasn't a billion-dollar suit. 
So, um, and, and even in equivalent dollars, it couldn't have been a billion dollar suit. So yeah, no, that's a, that's a smart thing. I wonder that would be that'd be interesting to find out. I would have just gone back to what they did with the uh, the original moon landing and said, hey, you know, um, w- w- let's just reinvent it a little bit with newer materials and go from there. I mean, I, I love the space program, and you know, we have a lot of listeners who um, hail from the south, especially Rocket City. And, and Don, one of our callers, used to call in all the time to give us all this great space update stuff. I know it costs money. I know it takes time, but I wouldn't mind an injection of realism. It feels like these deadlines of oh, we're going to go to the moon by 2024. That just sounds very political to me, as opposed to the reality of like, what's ready? Is the rocket ready? Is the suit ready? <laughs> Wasn't China supposed to head up there? Are they already there or something? China has a um, a probe. They actually sent a robot rover to the moon. One of the first uh, rovers that actually went to the dark side of the moon. They did, in fact, discover some stuff. They've been really good about sharing their science there. And then I think they have a new space station now, right? This Shenzhen or something like that. I don't know. What are they going to do up there? No, they're... Look, the Chinese have a very... You know, you, you, we were taught this. One thing we did get right in our high school education, Tim, was we were taught two things. Russia and China take the long view of everything. They don't look at two years. They don't look at five. They look at 10, 15, 20, 50, right? They, so China has a very long view of what they're going to do in space. They're just plodding along, right? Yeah, well, they look at, yeah, or thousands of years yeah. or, or hundred years. It's like in Japan, you can get a 99-year lease on a house. Yeah. <laughs> Mortgages are like 99 right. years, Mortgages, right? No, and you'll give it to the family. Yeah. yeah. So don't worry about paying it off. <laughs> Some, somebody, you're, you're going to hand it down. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, is actually a pretty smart thing. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm just wondering what, uh, you know, what the what the thought was, because I know China and I didn't know if maybe we were saying that just because China was making a big, you know, stink about going up there. Because after we got there, then the moon kind of became we got there and found out it was a rock. Yeah. And, and you nobody, know, and nobody was interested in the moon. You're so right. I think that like, you know, television shows that had been on for years had better ratings than the the, the following Apollo landings, like Apollo 16 might have had the lowest ratings. People just were like, oh, we're going to the moon. Okay. It's yeah. an amazing achievement, right? But, you know, the human brain. Click, yeah, click, click, sure. swipe, swipe, like. Next. <laughs> so, so we find a place right. where people are driving around like the Jetsons. We're not interested. There you go. <laughs> so. Mine was uh, not, not a little more somber, but I thought we should at least uh, honor and recognize uh, this gentleman. He died last Friday on August 13th at uh, former Ambassador James Hormel, and um, he had passed away at 88 years old. He was the very first openly gay U.S. ambassador, uh, also very much a philanthropist, um, uh, and uh, he founded a number of organizations uh, that uh, helped to uh, promote uh, human rights as well as fight AIDS. And I was unaware of this. I, it was buried way down at the end of his obituary, but I was unaware of this. And I don't know if you know this. He was the co-founder of the Human Rights Campaign. No idea. I had That's amazing. No idea. And I'm, I'm I, glad you're sharing it. That's great. Yeah, I had no idea. It says, Hormel co-founded the Human Rights Campaign and helped fund many activities geared to arts, education, and human rights, including a gay and lesbian center in the San Francisco Public Library, the National AIDS Memorial Grove, the American Foundation for AIDS Research in the American Conservatory Theater, and uh, he was also the very he was the very first, as I said, out uh, out ambassador. But uh, at the time, the Clinton administration had nominated him to be ambassador to Luxembourg, but it got held up in the conservative Senate, of course, and they blocked his nomination, and they fought it for two years. 
and uh, Clinton had nominated him and it just kept being held up. And they had asked Hormel about it and what he thought about it. He said it was a very, very long and strenuous process. It was arduous, insulting, full of misleading statements, full of lies, full of deceit, full of antagonism. Uh, he said this when he was out promoting uh, his memoir in 2012. He said he never received confirmation through the Senate floor, but uh, ultimately he felt that uh, a great deal was achieved as ambassador, he told the audience. He was able to change regulations that helped the State Department openly accept gay individuals that could be appointed without the same rancor that he had come up come up against. What ended up having to happen is Clinton had to, by executive privilege, appoint him uh, during a congressional recess, and they made him ambassador to Luxembourg. Um, he was very he was uh, hailed by Nancy Pelosi, uh, who actually uh, married him, and uh, and uh, Diane Feinstein talked about him as so well. So Nancy Pelosi officiated at his wedding. I, 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 I believe it was Nancy Pelosi. I, I, I want to make sure I got that right. Um, that would be oh, cool. I, so if she was the officiant there, <laughs> he was 88, right? Yeah. And uh, they said it was, it was Pete Buttigieg, who is our U.S. Secretary of Transportation, said as a teenager, he remembers watching uh, Hormel and uh, remember hearing him become uh, ambassador and uh, said that as a teenager, he was inspired by that. And then when he became himself going through the process, with the Senate and being questioned um, by the, you know, the Nimrod crews uh, and so forth and remembering what he was asked <laughs> and how he was going through, word. The, well, going through the process yeah. with, you know, some of the other current mm-hmm. conservatives and how certainly Buttigieg held himself well, if you watched any of that, but, um, and, and knowing, remembering back what Hormel went through, um, kind of harking back to those days. Uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton put out a put out a message that said Jim devoted his life to advancing the rights and dignity of all people. And in his trailblazing service to the diplomatic corps, he represented the United States with honor and brought us closer to living out the meaning of a more perfect union. The Clinton said in their statement, yes, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi officiated his wedding to his husband, uh, Michael. It's uh, Nguyen or Nguyen, however you pronounce. Um, there's two different ways of pronouncing it. Uh, gentleman's name they were to marry married for a number of years and still married until he died there's another side story to this that the blade did and uh one of the interviewers so they had you know honored honored uh honored james hormel and then there was an interviewer that did a did a side piece that was posted in the blade and she had interviewed him after a human rights campaign dinner and he was being honored and and she said the room was full of of course love and admiration for him and thought this was a very happy event for him after he gave a speech and was given this award. And she said he was sitting in the back of the, um, the back of the auditorium with his head down, looking very sad and very somber. And she said, you, you know, Hey Jim, what's going on? You just got this award. What's happened? What's going on? And he, she said, he looked at him or he looked, looked up at, um, at the writer and, uh, just said, I don't want to die a second class citizen. And, and, you know, looked up at her and she, her name, um, the writer that did this piece was, um, a woman's name. I think it was Karen Olcom or Olcom. I'm going to pronounce it wrong. O-C-A-M-B. And she said, what do you mean? And he had talked about the number of states that still where it was still illegal. Um, and you could still be discriminated against for, uh, a number of things as we all know. Um, 
he said, uh, California is currently one of only 11 states that prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and one of only eight states that prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity. And he said that he had hoped that he would see the day before he died where we would all be equal. And uh, he said he didn't want to die a second-class citizen, but unfortunately he didn't think he'd see the day. And unfortunately he died a second-class citizen. And they said, I wonder how many LGBTQ people really realize that or think about it. Wow. I, you know, beyond his, a, his contribution to our country um, and beyond all the things he did for the community, including co-founding the HRC, what an incredible thing to say. And, and you know, the fact that you just framed that, I had not thought of that. I, th I think we all look at gay marriage. We look at a lot of the achievements the community has made in the last two or three decades. And it seems like there's a momentum moving forward. But you're right. You're absolutely right. There is no national or, or uh, federal non-discrimination uh, policy like a, you know, employment thing. That's, you know, many, many people, what Barney Frank had it on the floor for a while. It, it, it died, right. in, it died in, in the house. Um, it, it really... Yeah, I wow. want to get her name right. It was Karen Ocam. I had lost Ocam, my space okay. on the it, it, yeah O C A M B, and she's a writer. She was a writer and contributor to the Blade, and and she had said um, what straight people don't seem to to uh, understand is how much this hurts, and they don't grasp that we are not all automatically granted the same equal rights that uh, straight citizens are. No, and she said, <laughs> and she and she said, and then. You know, and she said that despite all of his wealth, all of his philanthropy, all of his political activism and all the money he had and all of the privilege he had as a as a white man, um, he was still denied the full civil rights and freedom um, due to, you know, that the Equality Act and part of the Civil Rights Act of 64 should have given oh. him. Due, so, due, due to the simple fact that he was gay, yeah. that, that he actually lived his life um, and expressed his sexual preference, which, of course, sends people's hair on fire still today. What a shame. What a cool, cool, I think it was a smart, smart, um, caught my eye because I had caught the fact that he had passed away. But this, you've added a lot of layers to, to his story for me personally, I think for everybody listening as well. So thank you. That was great. All right. And you know also that comes on the heels of you know your your new your public servant now and he was a public servant. So like, <laughs> Keep it up, Nash. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna look at new ways of doing that whole public thing. Uh, we are gonna take a super quick break, and when we come back, we have business birthday and a shop talk, which looks at uh, reasons people really don't want to go back to the office full time or maybe at all, but they still want to work. Uh, some of them are good. Some of them are things that you say well that's not too much of a problem anyhow stay with us and we're going to be right back you're listening to the focus group with tim and john learn more at focusgroupradio.com Now, back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the focus group. Tim Bennett here with Mr. John T. Nash. Welcome back to the show. 
Be sure to find out more about us and uh, find all of our programming housed at focusgroupradio.com. So, as Mr. Nash said before our break, we're, uh, we've got a little bit of our, our business birthday, and then we've got a shop talk, which I don't think John um, probably agrees with the story. I like two. But, um, I'm questioning the like, other two, yeah. <laughs> do you like two of them? So, so when we get to shop talk, we're going to talk about uh, whether, whether people will go back to the office or not and whether that's a good thing. But uh, before then, we've got, uh, we've got our business birthday. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings. But the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So celebrating, uh, he's 43 today, is uh, Stephen Chen. Now, I there were two, this is, every once in a while this happens. So if you're out there and you know who he is, a lot of people don't know who he is, but you certainly know what he, what he co-founded. There are some, some, uh, um, not resources, but I guess some uh, source material that say that he was born on August 25th. But I found more that I think reliable sources that say he's born August 18th. And in the the spirit of voting and majority of things, let's go with the 18th. Right, young guy at 43, so I don't know why. You know, usually there's discrepancy when someone's born in 18-something. I could see that, yeah. (laughs) It's a little iffy, or you're one of the Gabors, and nobody wants to say how old you are, or... or, or, (laughs) Or, Ch- or Charo, right? How yeah, old is yeah. Charo? No one knows how old Charo is. I think Charo is, is did she pass away? I hope I didn't. Uh... No, no, she's still alive. She's still kicking. Okay, well, well I, then knows, she has to right? be in her I mean, 80s, when right? When she was on Merv Griffin, you thought she was 60-something, but I still think she says she's 43. Anyway, uh, so Stephen Chen's 43 today. Taiwanese-American inter- internet entrepreneur, but uh, you'd, you'd know him or you don't know him. As the founder of the video sharing website, YouTube, which, uh, well, we have a love-hate with YouTube, don't we, John? I would like to personally wish Steve Chen a happy 43rd because YouTube, at its very best, you can go there and say, how do I take the pedals off my bike? Or how do I hook up a dishwasher? The how-to portion usually yes. yields, like, how do I build a website? Like, YouTube has been, I've, you, you told me this, Tim. I have learned a lot free. There I are some crazy stuff. You fixed it. <laughs> and Richard was shocked. I fixed the toilet, and I also fixed the blinker on the car. Richard was shocked because uh, he was going to call the plumber, which would have cost hundreds of dollars. But uh, I, I went to a tutorial from the, for the toilet about how to change this gasket thing, and it told me how to take it apart and do the whole thing. And, you, and you're right. The how-to's. And also on making certain sort of foods and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Great in that aspect. I also love the music videos, too. And there's some great concert oh, footage if you like Tim, music. I got to tell you something. The other day I was listening to Pandora. And, you know, at the play, I was it was the Knox radio station. They played a bunch of songs in a row. I went back and looked at my history. And, you know, I found all of them on YouTube, of course, the official videos. It, so, no, it is an amazing thing. So uh, this yeah. is a great birthday. Now, there are downsides to YouTube, but, yeah. you know. So his net worth, surprisingly, is only $300 million, but that's because he's given a lot away, and he's also invested a lot. But uh, So as I said, 43 years old. After he founded YouTube, he also founded something called AVOS, A-V-O-S Systems. Hmm. I don't know what that is. Neither do I. Also built the video sharing app Mixbit. Never heard of that either. And he joined Google Ventures in yeah. uh, 2014. So he was born in Taiwan, which the Chinese don't recognize as a renegade province. 
And uh, he, when he was eight years old, the family had come to the United States, settled in Illinois. He ended up going to the University of Illinois, majored in computer science, got a job at PayPal where he met his two buddies. Something else we missed. Got a job at PayPal, met Chad Hurley, and I think his name is Jawad Kareem, J-A-W-E-D. Jawad or Jawad? I, I don't know how you pronounce that. J-A-W-E-D. How would Jod. you pronounce it? I just say Jawad. Jawad Kareem. Jawad I never heard that name. Neither have I. Yeah. Cool name, though. It's unique. (laughs) It's not cool. So, Jod. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway, Chen was an early employee at Facebook. So, once again, he was also an early employee at Facebook again. Although, he left after several months to go start YouTube. So, in 2005, the three of them founded YouTube, and he was the chief technology officer. The site grew rapidly within months. They announced that they were receiving, uh, w- you know, within the year, they were receiving 100 million video views per day. Jeez. And 65,000 new videos were uploaded each day. And, you know, a few of those were focus group. <laughs> yeah, you know something, you're right. From 2016 forward, and we added video. Thank yeah. you, YouTube. In June, uh, June 2006, business named him one of the 50 most uh, people who mattered in business. So the site was ranked, uh, the YouTube site in 2006 was ranked the 10 most popular website. And in June, they entered a marketing partnership with NBC. And then a little after that, uh, Google came a knocking. Mm -hmm. And uh, how come they don't knock on our door? We don't need a billion. But uh, they paid $1.65 billion in stock to to the three boys. And they said sold. I don't know. Now... So he got 1.6 billion in stock. So he's only worth 300 million. He either had a good time or the stock went to the crapper. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was vesting. Maybe they're looking at the net worth as uh, assets he has direct access to that he doesn't have to cash out something like a, a stock option or something. Yeah, because it's so. Yeah, because the discrepancy here it says the um. So it says so they received this 1.6 billion in stocks, and then it says as of February 2021, so recent, the shares are valued at more than 1.2 billion. So it's they're still you know still quite also, a bit of coin. Also, from a philanthropy point of view, couldn't he have given organizations blocks of stock as as a philanthropic thing? And then they yeah. would, then they would hold them, and if they sold them, that would be they would deal with the the consequences of that. Possible. I don't know if I'm talking out of the life side of my mouth or something, but <laughs> well, whatever this Avos system was, it was required by Yahoo, um, and then he he also he won a number of awards. Of course, he started the live streaming food network called Nom or Nom N O M dot com in 2016, and uh, it was shut down. And the Twitter feed was switched to private. I don't know why it was shut down. And uh, he married uh, woman Jenny, uh, Jamie Chen. And uh, they now live uh, in Taiwan with their two children. So I don't know why I went back to Taiwan. They're major supporters of the Asian Art Museum of San Francisco, of which he's appointed a trustee. And um, they've also given uh, lots of uh, money, they said, to a number of philanthropic causes. He's very secret and private about what he's done with his wealth. They said he does have a keen eye to reinvest his savings and makes donations and charities to organizations of his choice. He also has a home that he maintains or keeps in San Francisco and does some work with Google Ventures mm. and, and looking for some next generation of technological uh, innovations. 
I, I like his privacy. I like the fact yeah. that he keeps it. Oh, uh, and and you, you know, as far as like him and raising his family in Taiwan, why not? It's a it's a it's a pretty cool country, I've heard. And I don't know that I'd want to be on the doorstep of China all the time. Well, rat- until they start hurling bombs over now. I was going to say mad. they do this saber rattling all the time about you know what they think is traditionally theirs, and it goes back you know thousands of years or whatever it is, and it's kind of unnerving, but. Very cool birthday. And by the way, uh, Charo is 70. Non sequitur. Charo is 70. And I'm 23. I mean, do you really think she's 70? Well, it claims here that she, Charo, she but... claims that she was born January 15th, 1951. Could okay, be. Listen, how long ago did you, you remember watching her? I saw Charo with your parents. Yes. So, didn't you, so when was that? 1972. So she, was she in her 20s? Then? You know, I'm, I'm, we were kids. Was she, but... four, was she 14 when she was on Merv's show? <laughs> Do you think they hired someone to go into like Google and change the, the year of the, the year of the. <laughs> God of bless Charo. God, God bless her indeed. Yeah. There's you. a video. They've taken it down on YouTube, though. There's a video of her. The, I didn't realize this. Martha Stewart apparently was on Merv Griffin. I didn't realize that. She got wow. her start kind of on Merv Griffin and she would come on and do these, these cooking t- demos. Teach- well, no, she would teach people how to etiquette and how to eat. And okay. they would do it sometimes when Charo was on. There were a couple of episodes <laughs> when Charo was on with Martha Stewart and Merv Griffin. And Martha would have was very, very cantankerous and upset with Charo because Charo would pick on her food. And uh, this was before Martha was anybody. So, of course, Charo was the star. And Charo told Martha would serve this food. And Charo would say, I can't eat that. I get diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to confirm this with Bob. But when they uh, opened the Liberace Museum, the one that now is closed, sadly, but it was the one with the keyboard out front and that strip mall thing, she was at the opening um, or at the rededication. And also Siegfried and Roy showed up with one of their beautiful white tigers. This is Vegas back in, you know, this goes back a ways. So, yeah. Wayne um, Newton show up, too. Wayne Newton show up. That's all you needed. (laughs) Didn't they used to call him little Wayne Newton? Like he was like he was the king of the strip. Um, but there you have it. So <laughs> I met a showgirl down here, by the way. She voted for me. Excellent. What a, a showgirl from the Sands is down here. Next time you come down, you have to meet her. She was all excited about our time in Vegas. So we'll have to. <laughs> if you if you and Bob come down, we'll have to we'll have to have a rope. Well, I don't I don't mean to invite Vegas. myself now that you're an elected official, but um, you know, because I have a title, you have a little name badge. Hi, my name is Tim. <laughs> Email me at your number, hobothbeach.com, whatever. Um, like, weren't we thinking of possibly the Sea Witch? Sure. We'll have to march in the parade. Because isn't that the end of October? Is that... Uh... It's the end of the season, John, when the witch comes out of the sea. But And that's the end of October. It's near Halloween, yeah. right? Halloween, Sea Witch. Last week... Because- Biggest parade, one of the biggest parades in the in, in the East Coast, I think. I remember the day we were there. We went down for Sea Witch. Uh, we met with Mark and Carl. We had a ball. Those guys are fantastic. And we had beautiful weather. And you said that you can almost guarantee that unless there's a bad storm or something, Sea Witch is great weather. So I would say, yeah. And then we'll meet the showgirl and we'll talk yeah. about Vegas. You'll have a hoot. So that was our business birthday. So Mr. Nash had found this article from Fast Company, and it's uh, the unspoken reasons employees don't want remote work to end. So everybody's talking about how we're going to have to, uh, hopefully, when the spreadnecks all get vaccinated, we'll go back to work. And um, But, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm more productive, or I, I really can't go back to work because I'm more productive. They're all saying they're more productive at home. 
But then when they've dug in deeper, they found out the real reason people don't want to go back to work. And they so they cite some of these reasons here in this article. Before we get there, I was reading. You remember Faith Popcorn, the futurist? Oh, my God. How can you forget? Now, her? She's a she, million years old, right? Yeah, so she's resurfaced. She was she was hot in the 80s. But didn't she come up with cocooning a while ago? Yeah, well, she said we were all going to cocoon. We were all going to stay home. We were all going to order off the Internet. So she's yeah. been right. So she's got a new thing. She says we're never. So her latest thing, she just came out with over over uh, about two, three days ago over the weekend. She says, we're never going back to the office. We're going to be raising babies in tanks. She said, we're going to grow babies in tanks. <laughs> I don't okay. quite understand that. Okay, People well, were a little upset with this. Very science them, fiction, but okay. Faith, we're going to put yeah. little, little in tanks. Yeah. We're going to, uh, for the first time, we're going to be uh, eating a lot uh, more vegetables than meat. We're going to be turning vegetarian I as, could a, see as that. a country. Grocery stores are going away. I can't see that, no. There's going to be no more grocery stores. Um, we're never going back to the office. And uh, people of color will be will be leading. So that was her predictions. I like the people of color leading. I do think we're going to be going back to the office, maybe not the way it used to be. But you know what? There are other smart, smart people who look at human behavior, you know, behaviorists who uh, are behavioral scientists who say it's really hard to break habits. And even though this event has gone on for 17 or 18 months now, the snapback may surprise people and we and, and we may surprise ourselves by our desire to be in the same space creating together or, or meeting or whatever. But leading into the article you just mentioned that I found from Fa uh, Fast Company, they profiled four people. They didn't use their real names. Um, <laughs> oh, because they don't want it. Because they don't want their names. Then was it, was it they, don't, they don't want to go back to work. Was it Dragnet? The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Remember, I think that was yeah. Dragnet. They used to do that. Um, well, for example, the first woman they talked to, um, she had suffered a, a backpacking and a back during backpacking, she had a spinal injury that required two surgeries. And it left her in chronic pain with sleep issues. So when she was going to the office, she found that her afternoons were not as productive. And in fact, she was a little out of it because she really could have used a nap. She'd be asked questions in a meeting. She wouldn't answer correctly or she didn't answer fast enough. Since she's been working at home, she has made the time to take naps. And now she's far more productive, uh, she claims. And she's being complimented more on her work by her superior or her, her manager, her supervisor. So there's an example of some. So I said to myself, "Hmm, wouldn't you just wouldn't you just say I'd love to come back in?" But here's what I've discovered by not being in. I had this injury, and now you know you notice my work is better. Wouldn't you kind of come to an accommodation on that one? Yeah, well, I I call it a little bit of nonsense. Well, now listen, I we I love a nap. When yeah. we were in college, I always had a college nap. Did you have naps in college? Did you? No, take naps? I didn't take naps. No, I'm not a napper. You know, you know our friend the comrade. She taught me how to nap, but it, look at how late in my life I'd learn how to nap. She said, John, if you're really going to lay down, you know, she goes, you're, the, you're like me. You don't want to take a nap. She goes, you, when you lay down, keep saying to yourself, I'm resting, I'm resting. <laughs> and I'll fall asleep for half an hour and then I'll get up and I'll feel refreshed. But I can't take a nap. I have to rest. See the difference? So you don't take a nap? No. See, a lot of it is the, the, what you eat at lunch. So if you eat a bad lunch or something, meaning that the food you bad quality food will make mm -hmm. you tired, right? So if you had a heavy sugared something mm -hmm. or other, it's going to yeah. make you tired. I always think though of our, our friend, Margaret Thatcher, when she, you know, when the, when Brit, the Britain decided they didn't want to go on the Euro because why? 
We don't. You don't share a currency with countries who nap in the afternoon. afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) The Iron Lady. The Iron Lady. Yeah. Right. The Iron Lady. Unproductive. So I, when I look at this, I, I, hmm, she needs a nap. Maybe she just needs to change her diet. That's what I think. Says the newly minted commissioner. All right. The next guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the next guy says. This makes sense to me that he's a certified public accountant. And I think. I knew, I knew, I knew you were going to. I knew I, I got to bet money. I got to go on to Vegas on this and knew you would have agreed with this one. Well, the why do you think? All right. So let me explain to people. Um, <laughs> he loves his career. He likes his job. He has great benefits. Here's one that made my eyebrows go up a lifelong pension after he retires. So like what mm-hmm. what century are we in? Right. His the payment for this, though, was that he had a two hour commute each way to work, uh, uh, totaling 20 hours a week. Oh, my God. Right. So. Uh, the the event happens. He's working from home. He starts going to the gym, spending more time with his wife and kids. And now he's like, eh, I don't know if I want to put that time into the commute again. This makes some sense to me. It makes a lot of sense that he wouldn't want to put. But if he had made that investment in time prior to the, all of this, and this had never happened, he'd still be on that commute, right? Well, he now he's he's what he did is he's taken that two hours of time for the commute, and he's now going to the gym. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a bunch of other things. So he doesn't want to give up his gym time. And he doesn't want to do the commute. So I get that. He doesn't want to spend all that time commuting because he's found other things to do with that time. So I get that. That's why you like that. Is there a but in there? Huh? You get it. But is there like a but? Like, you know. No, no, no. I, 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 could, I knew. Right oh, you thought you the gym time. However. Yeah, okay. <laughs> how, no, however, I, I, you are a big proponent of wanting to go back to an office. Or at least being around people, yeah. Right, but I was wondering if you would, if you would, you give up, if, if in this case, would you give up the gym Mm. to go back to the office? I'd have to figure out a way to get some kind of workout in. I'm going back to the gym now, and in, uh, you know, and it's just I didn't realize how much I missed it. I had to talk to my doctor about how I thought it was a psychological hangup that I, how my life was so affected by not, he's like, no, 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 I know what you mean. I like going to the gym too. It's an important part of my day. Um, Yeah, I would have to give that some thought. There would have to be some kind of way of getting some exercise. What's this next guy's thing? This next, this next, I didn't understand this. So there was a guy who was, he's worked at a a high-end restaurant and uh, in Philadelphia. And he said that um, he was in recovery. Mm-hmm. And so for, and so for him, he said that uh, a lot of times um, when he would work, he struggled with alcoholism. So the environment he was working in, a lot of his coworkers would either drink after work or they would go out. And this mm-hmm. made it difficult for him to quit because he felt like to be part of the gang, he had to go out and um, and partake in drinking or or well, well while he was trying to quit, um, this would just trigger him going out and, and doing uh doing the drinking and not being able to recover. And so during the pandemic, he was able to keep that under control. What I don't understand is if, how, how are you a waiter and you don't go back to work or how do you go back to a, how do you go back to your job at a, at a high end restaurant and, and work remotely? He's going to, he'd have to find a new job. So this yeah. one to me didn't really make sense. Did, no, did it, it, to you? it didn't because and you, and you nailed the exact reason. There are many people in this profession who are in fact professional like waiters or Somali, like whatever. And they, they are really fantastic. And they're usually at some of these really high end super restaurants uh, and they understand the service industry like no one else and how to treat the customer. 
I don't know how you would transfer that to something different if that's what he's been doing. Um, so right. no, he he really does need to return because that's that's the meat and potatoes, it's so to job. speak. Yeah, yeah, that's his job. And the last example they gave was again a, a woman, um, not her real name. They call her Chandra, and she began. She's a public relations professional. She was laid off in um, April 2020. Uh, obviously, a lot of people were, or they were furloughed. Um, she began a side hustle, picking up some freelance work, probably in the communications area or the PR area. Uh, when she went back to work, or now she has a new employer, I'm sorry. And she shows she has a new employer. She's working remote and she's doing the freelance on the side. And she's worried that if she goes back, she may have to give up the freelance work. This one also was a head scratcher to me because you, you know, my career when I was the, the brief few years that I did work <laughs> for other people, um, I had a freelance gig on the side as well. It was typesetting or a graphic design or something. And eventually the freelance work became far better and far more profitable than the daytime job. I can't imagine that she wouldn't be able to do both if she just adjusted her schedule and the expectations of the clients. Was that your takeaway or? Yeah. And you, you, first of all, you shouldn't be doing freelance work during the day anyway, when you're fully employed. Right. So she should be doing that after hours anyway. <laughs> said like Shron, someone Shron, said Chandra. like said like someone who ran a department, which Tim did. Yeah. He used to run an apartment. Yeah. 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 What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I, hold on. I like I used to have these kids that would be doing their their work, their schoolwork during the day. Their at, MBA at the stuff. Office. Yeah. Yeah. Which just drive me crazy. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> I had the same thing with my assistant. I'd be I, looking at it. Really? I can't get that done yet. Uh, you know, yeah, close my, the book. My old assistant was sort of the same way. And I used to try to figure out ways to like, you know, trip her up. And I'd call her and say, I need to change the Subaru spreadsheet on the outdoor out of home media. I want to move X number of dollars to a different month. And I'd watch her through the glass because I had a glass wall and she'd type and she'd be doing instant messaging and cell phone. And I'm like, I, and she's probably doing her homework half an hour later she walked up with a new spreadsheet how does this look mm -hmm. <laughs> so they got the, they got the last lap so that was fast company's take on this um and the article uh as i said just came out of the recent fast company released on their website and it's called um the unspoken reasons employees don't want remote work to end um I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of this as we get beyond the current state with the the variants and get a little more clarity on when people are going to be going back to work, et cetera. I was in Midtown earlier today. It was very busy. There were a lot of tourists. I was going to ask, have you been around Rock mm -hmm. Center where we used to work? You bet. I was actually down. Oh, Tim. Are the big <laughs> restaurants open? Um, it depends on what part of town like you're Like City in. Lobster or the ocean, that big ocean. What was that big ocean Oh, that club? Oceans, I think, was the one below Sirius's sure. corporate headquarters. Um, I... Every time I walk by there, it's looked closed, but the tables are set. City Lobster also looks closed. But if you go a couple blocks down towards Bryant Park and the New York Public Library, and we had a restaurant down there, Croton. Remember the Croton? Right. Love that place. Uh, we used to always have great Cobb salads, usually, and then some little dessert. And the, the brownie, waiter was, brownie bread. The hot that's brownie it. With the, the hot ice brownie. Cream, the nuts. The nuts. Um, so that area is lively and, uh, at Bryan Park actually had a big stage set up. There was some kind of thing that was going to go on there at night, like maybe an outdoor movie or something. Lots of people more, many, many more than it was months ago. And it definitely does have a greater level of activity, but there's not a lot of traffic in and out of some of these huge office buildings. Uh, sales forces, sales, the Salesforce tower is on the corner of, uh, sixth Avenue and 42nd street. It's their building, right? 
I saw maybe one person go in the, the building. The lobby was empty. And, you know, that's they own the whole building. So all their right. staff is somewhere else. It's that's going to be the thing. That's going to be the tell when when corporations really begin to say you got to come back. And, you know, here in the city, we just began um, proof of vaccination for indoor dining and for the gym and for a so bunch of things. So what's that mean? Do you have to bring your card? Um, New York State has something called the Excelsior Pass. They did it a while ago when, when the vaccinations began. No one really knew what to do with it because no one was requiring it. But you go online, you plug in your uh, some key components. It's it's carefully regulated. You have to you plug in your dates of when you got it, and the, and it generates a QR code that you photograph, and it drops a pass onto your phone. And that's an acceptable. And it actually, the pass lists your the the dose num the um, the batch number when you got your first dose, when you got your second dose, the whole bit. I went to the gym after running some errands, and uh, I know that Equinox here in the city is going to be asking for uh, proof of vaccination or proof of a test. I think a two day te- uh, window. Uh, I called it the pass. The woman looked at it. She scanned it. And apparently it read the code and it put in information on when I had the stuff. She's like, welcome. I'm like, great. And uh, I said, how is this going over? And she said, there was a little pushback at the start. She said, but 90, this is an internal number they've given out before. 97% of the members of Equinox are thrilled they're doing this because they would prefer to know that they're in an environment where everybody's at least vaccinated. Right. This does not surprise me, nor does it upset me, because I'd like to know that too. <laughs> right? Oh, exactly. It's not, yeah. Yeah. I, it's foolish. It, it, it's absolutely foolish because, you know, they use the example of polio, right? Had mm-hmm. people acted this way with polio, we would still, we still have, have tra- it. The, the tragedy of, of, of people getting yeah. polio. And so it's foolish to think. You know, that, I had to explain uh, to someone recently that the vaccine, it was the result of 13 to 20 years worth of research. They're like, no, 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 no. It happened over a couple months. I'm like, no, you don't understand. We had scientists and pharmaceuticals studying avian flu, MERS, SARS, the whole bit for years. And when this came along, they recognized the protein. They knew it matched their data. They could take their research and adapt it. And here we go. But it wasn't overnight. It was 13 to 20 years of the research, right? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that line, Tim? A lie can fly around the world at the speed of light, but the truth takes forever. <laughs> so, I don't know. Anyway, folks, uh, thank you for joining us on the Focus Group today. We want to thank our partner, Deep Discount. Uh, go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo, and start some shopping. They have some great media for you there. And thank you for subscribing and liking and rating. I've gone to the uh, our podcast on the uh, iTunes store, and there's some new reviews up, Tim, and they're pretty accurate. One was a little snarky, but most are pretty good. We got like a 99.9% approval rating, which I like. Anyway, thank you so much for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Tune in to TFG Unbuttoned on Tuesdays. That's our shorter podcast, three stories, pretty quick. Uh, we get a little more political on that one or a little more... Um, controversial and again congratulations to Rehoboth's new town commissioner I want those sewers fixed tomorrow <laughs> power wash the wall <laughs> that's it power wash alright folks we'll see you in the new week it's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash accessible on all platforms subscribe like and rate us on your platform of choice Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.